Hi, and welcome to the Pride Road Architects podcast. I'm Lisa, Lisa Rains, and each episode I'll talk to people who interest me in the world of architecture and business. So join me and fellow lions and lionesses as we explore architecture in the den. So hi everyone and welcome to Architecture in the Den and today um, I'm delighted to welcome Rebecca Maloney. Um, So Rebecca, first of all, would you like to introduce yourself? I certainly would. Uh, I am Rebecca Maloney. Um, I run a few businesses which which confuses everything but I do. I've got an IT uh, recruitment company, a career coaching company and I'm also a partner and qualified well, team leader with Utility Warehouse. So I do those three things at the same time. Perfect. So um, we met through the dreaded BNI. It's full of idiots, isn't it? (laughs) Do you want to just briefly explain what BNI is? Yeah, absolutely. It is hopefully a meeting of similar minds where a bunch of business owners or business development managers within other people's businesses meet on a weekly basis. We get to know, like, and trust one another. And from that, relationships are built and business is naturally passed within the room. Um, we get to hear testimonials from other members who've referred um, business owners to their friends, families, connections. We, we get to know from our connections that those people are trustworthy and do what they say they're going to do. And for me, being a solo business owner, it's pretty much 90% of my marketing uh, in a year. So um, just put to put it in context, this uh, a, a lot of listeners are sort of architects, architects in business or it could be student architects or people who are thinking of setting up in business. So um, what I kind of say, you know, when you go into business, what you'll find is a third of your time is spent doing what you have been taught to do. So as we're architects, a third of our time will be spent doing the architecture, talking to clients, blah, blah, blah. The rest of the time is about running the business and promoting the business so marketing advertising and it's really important in marketing and advertising to do a marketing mix so that's not just about having a fancy website it's not just about being on social media as well it's about networking and bni is what's it stand for It's a business network international. There we go. <laughs> and it's a um you'll find BNI in virtually every city um a- across the world. In fact, I've just come off a call with a BNI architect in Malaysia. There who, you go. He reached out to me through the BNI Connect saying yeah you're an architect can we offer you some resources it is amazing but it's about using it properly and 
when I met Rebecca, she is so on it. <laughs> yeah, I think our, our conversation about traffic light systems was a, an eye opener. In fact, I really could do with a reminder about how to. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm just going to ask you now to just give me like a five minute how to use the traffic light systems again. So, no worries whatsoever. So go for it. Tell me. <laughs> this is what puts people off BNI. You think, oh my god, I'm going to be set loads of targets, and and if I don't do them all, I'm I'm going to be shamed. And it's like, no, it's we're all in business. We've all got priorities above BNI. However, BNI is a massive, massive tool to build in your business, and if you do it well, and you do it well from day one, mm. um it will have a profound um, direct effect on your potential income. So people think that they will be hit by a whip if they don't do all this horrendous list of must-dos in a week. And how do you actually have time to do your business? Because BNI must take up all your time. And it's nothing like that. It's recommended. So there's, there's points, like anything, um, that each, each BNI group is run like a business. There's a leadership team and they're looking at statistics. And it's about who's getting what out of their BNI journey. It's not necessarily who isn't doing what, it's what isn't working for people. That does tend to be things that they're not doing, um, but it, it highlights who is and who isn't getting a return from their investment into BNI. So as long as somebody is prepared to do two one-to-ones in a month, uh which I'm I'm sorry, people really need to be doing that kind of like a week um mm -hmm. to really get to know like and trust your fellow members. But mm -hmm. BNI aren't expecting two a week, they're expecting around two, two, three a month. And what's a one-to-one? -one? Sorry, that is a business meeting with a fellow business owner within your chapter. So so for those who are non-BNI uh listening in, um this can be applied across the board. It, you don't have to be in BNI to use some of these amazing pointers. So having one-to-ones, business chats with me, with with colleagues, with associates, with another architect, and just having a general chat about business is a good thing. Is something yeah. that you should be doing. So sorry. No, it's good. And we should be looking for collaboration over competition at, at every opportunity, mm. especially when you meet like-minded people whose their ethics behind their business is in line with your own. And you, there's something about that relationship where it can click. But again, having an introduction to another architect by someone you trust. Mm. Why? Why is this person suggesting I talk to this other architect? Has there been a good enough conversation gone on that, I mean, anyone could give you a phone number of an architect, but, you know, you, you're not going to spend eight hours a day speaking to eight different architects. You're not going to get any work done. But there might be that key one that what you do in in your specialism and what they do just totally fit together and you can become amazing referral partners mm -hmm. where... I don't want that kind of work. That's not what I want to do, but I know another amazing yeah. person who can I, do I that. get some great referrals from other architects. So, you know, for us, you know, we're incredibly niche. We just do um, sort of housing. We, we just do 
extensions, remodeling, garage conversions, loft conversions. But I work incredibly well with other architects who do HMOs or multiple or commercial. So they'll pass some of their inquiries to me. And likewise, I'll, I'll pass inquiries to them. And it's invaluable having that trusted yes. network. Yeah. Um, so, so we, we <laughs> so <laughs> my conversations meander as well. No, so we were just talking before we started about your involvement in HMOs. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I've, invested, <laughs> I've invested in a, a property developer in the Midlands um, and his business model is to um, convert large detached preferably houses hmm. into HMOs but Birmingham's a city where HMOs are no longer allowed for private rental um, agreements and um, but what his business model has been doing for years now is the minute a project is finished he's renting it back to the local to the council or hmm. to the local housing association and it's then being used for housing for vulnerable people and it's been taken on on a rent basis of a 10-year agreement with those local councils or housing associations. So he's in a great position to be able to offer 10% returns on, on the investors' money. Mm. Um, and also, because I've invested the maximum I could with him, I'm actually going down the path where I'm learning from him as well. So I do go on site and see the properties. So how did you get involved with that? Are you going to believe this through the word networking? <laughs> so again, through networking, I've met multiple people who are in property development of one description or another. Um, there's there's people I would immediately trust. There's other people I would want to look into further, like anything. Um, but having a network of people around you that you've known for years that you can go to and go, uh, I've been given your name as someone who's invested in this person previously. Can we have a chat? How did it go? Um, how many years have you invested in them? And just doing that behind the scenes research with a trusted network before the person I was thinking of networking knew, knew that I was thinking of investing in them, really. So I've done general meetings and sort of said, oh, is there other people in the network that I would know who've invested in you? And most people go, yeah, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. I don't need to let that person know that it's something I was considering, but I've got those names to to go mm -hmm. away and just test the water. What are they like? And I got nothing but glowing um, referral references about this one particular person. So, so, so you, so you've part invested. Well, you've invested in this uh, guy. So, tell me about your other businesses. So, IT recruitment says what it does on the tin really or does what it says on the tin um, and I love working with small and medium companies I my last paid job in recruitment was a company that did deal with really large employers but their recruitment process is all online and AI and mm -hmm. process driven and so we had to follow their procedures you would literally get an email saying project manager needed name of company, skill sets required, send CVs. Mm -hmm. And then you chuck some CVs into a portal, someone mm -hmm. would get an interview, other people wouldn't, you wouldn't know why, and there was no relationship to be built with either the candidate, because I'm not going to be able to tell you anything of any use at the end of this process, 
and nor would the client because all your questions had to go into an open portal. So all the recruitment companies got the same information and the same update at the same time, all being on an equal playing field, which that's great. But when you can't find out intricacies about how does the team actually work? How do they get on? Do you need someone that's quiet and won't get involved in the politics, but they need to know about the politics? Or do you need someone who's a bit gobby who's going to come in and, and come at it from the, the programme manager's side and be their left-hand person? The, the psychology about the personality that's going to fit in an environment, anyone can sit here and tell me they've got the best business ever and the person's joining the best team ever, but let's be honest, they don't exist. I want to speak to business owners who are going to be open about the issues that they've got and and I could find the right solutions for that, which comes in person form, but it isn't going to add to those problems. And I think building those relationships, again, we come back to it over and over. How much does a, a client trust me to be really open about what's really going on in their business? Because when that starts happening, that's when recruitment really starts fitting. Um, and when I first set up five and a half years ago, it was kind of like, you don't say no to anything. So I was recruiting for electricians. I was recruiting for kitchen designers, accountants. Recruiting's recruiting at the end of the day. But five years on, I'm able to pass that work on to people that it suits more than me. I can now niche down on the companies that I've found that I really enjoy recruiting for. And I'm now not running on having to look recruit for six jobs for six different clients at the same time because I've now been able to turn a lot of that work down if it's not right mm. for me, mm. which is amazing that setting up a business and not being able to say no to anything because I don't know when I'm ever going to get paid. <laughs> having a feeling of a bit of control over it, which has allowed me then to set up another business career garage, which is using those nearly 30 year skills in recruitment to turn job seekers into laser focused job getters. Okay. So I, teach people to brand themselves on LinkedIn. They are a product. Um, if they're currently employed, we need yeah. to use LinkedIn very differently than if somebody isn't employed. Mm. Um, I teach people how artificial intelligence is influencing whether their CV or application is even being seen by a human being or not. That's interesting. Um, if you don't understand the rules, you could be the best candidate and you're going in the bin. So again, my tagline for Career Garage is um, I'm about turning you into the best applicant. Mm. You don't need to be the best candidate until you've secured your interview. I will turn you into being the best applicant. I'll help you understand the application stage so we can put a strategy in place and follow a process. What tends to happen is panic sets in. I need to leave this job. I hate it. I hate it. Or, oh, my God, I've been made redundant. I need to find something quickly. And then they don't get the interviews they assumed they were going to get. Panic sets in. They just start applying for anything and everything. And then it becomes even more depressing because then they're going to be being rejected for jobs that they didn't even want. Mm -hmm. And this cycle of, oh, my God, I'm not going to get, oh, God, benefits. I'm not going to get anything. How am I going to feed my kids? And it's catastrophized where actually put a lid on it put a strategy to it and focus on what your outcome is and actually take control of it 
don't wait for the perfect job spec to land on the job board you happen to be looking at at that one moment in time start approaching the people that you need to be speaking to direct be uh so 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 that's two of your um two of your businesses and then your third business is uh when i set up block it i did not have a single client i didn't know when i was ever going to earn a penny so the first thing i did was review where my money was going Mm. and i actually got in touch with the utility warehouse partner and my chat went along the lines of don't try getting me doing what you're doing i haven't got the time i'm trying to build up my business i just need to save money she did me a quote it saved me about 64 pounds a month which really annoyed me because I did the comparison sites every single year and I thought I was on a good deal and I was a bit miffed. But then I took into consideration the, the cashback card as well. And I was like, oh my God, this phone call is going to save me about £80 a month. <clears throat> then I'm going, my mum, my sister, my neighbours, my ex-colleagues, my friends, anybody, why would you not want this in your life? So I did sign up, but I didn't, I literally, maybe 0.5% of my attention went onto it. I did the training. I spoke to a few people. I signed a few customers up, but I was doing 18-hour days trying to set up block IT recruitment and find candidates and fill jobs and, and earn a living. So at that point, it was my maybe plan Z. Um, anyway, recruitment started building up. It went well. Lockdown happened. Recruitment stopped, just fell off a cliff. I had two people that were due to start jobs that Monday. Both employers said, stop, put it on hold. And any income I was going to earn that month just sailed on past the front door. I'm like, oh, my God. I thought Jeremy Beaver would come back to life, sort of looking around the room. That's an old reference. (laughs) I'm proving I've had 30 years in recruitment. (laughs) That I get as well. (laughs) (laughs) So... Basically, life as we all knew it ended, and uh, so did my income stream. So I was like, mm, better pull my big girl's pants on and start talking about the plan Z. Um, and through networking, Nombi and I networking at that point, um, I started discussing the fact that I was a UW partner. That brought other business owners to me that actually said, I didn't know you could do UW quietly. I've always been pounced on by people in UW. um, And they didn't like that approach. But they ended up joining my team because they saw their businesses had also stopped immediately with lockdown. Mm -hmm. And they, although I'd not been shouting about UW, it was that that brought them to me. Because they were like, we still want to represent our main business, but we do need a plan B to seal through lockdown. So that's when I first started really building a team and and putting people, um, getting them through the training and giving them an opportunity. And what was brilliant for one of them was they actually got their own business back up and running really well during lockdown. Yeah. And she actually rang me to say it was the UW training okay. that made her look at her own business differently. Yeah. So although she ended up becoming a, um, a partner that's not been very active since, she still actually has that massive thank you to UW for uh, pivoting a company around and, and successfully navigating lockdown with it. So that's amazing. Anyway, to keep going, I carried on chipping away um, <laughs> at customers. Within a couple of weeks of lockdown, um, 
a UW Facebook page said, does anybody live near Stockport? There's a Corby and I group set up. The utility seat has um, been taken. They were pounced because I'd been subbing in a lot of BNIs over those. So, so yeah. So again, for non-BNI people, what does subbing mean? So when a member in BNI can't attend a meeting, they need to do be at a business meeting or they're on holiday. They still need to have their business represented in their absence because they don't want to be forgotten about. There's always visitors in the room that have been invited by other members and there's always substitutes covering for other members. You don't want your business to not be represented in that room. So substitutes can be members of BNI, but they can also be non-members of BNI, which is what I was when I substituted. There weren't any recruitment companies in many of the different BNI groups in the Northwest. So I didn't join BNI initially. So um with your BNI, so you you take the utility warehouse seat. Um, I do take the utility warehouse seat, no, but I, I can still substitute for recruitment or career coaching. Because in most groups, there is somebody in the utility seat. There's another representative. Right, okay. And I wouldn't be able to talk about my one business. Right. If that's all I did. So do you, can you, do you find you can talk about the other businesses as well as utility warehouse within it does come up it does come up because most partners i've met them doing uw events and also know. it's once you do the one-to-ones that's when you start actually absolutely. getting absolutely yeah. and i would never disrespectfully go in a chat in into another bni group where there's a uw partner yeah i would not be having one-to-ones to do with uw if yeah. it came up in chat what I normally find is when there's been a long-serving member in a chapter, you'll probably find that all their all their members will be utility warehouse customers anyway. So I tend to talk about it from how does it fit into my day. Most people are like, God, how do you run that many businesses? And I'm like, recruitment can be a long, drawn-out process from, yes. from engaging with a client to putting a person into a role. That could take three months. It could take six weeks. It could take three months. I don't know when that payday is coming. And even at the very last minute, there might not be a payday. My candidate might change their mind. My client's business needs might change. And some somewhere on that journey, that might not happen. The pay, payday might not happen. The hours of work have gone into it. So it could be frustrating. So the career coaching is an hour on Zoom which I can obviously diarise and my utility warehouse appointments can obviously be diarised. And the rest of the time is looking for CVs, headhunting people. Um, and a lot of those three things happen early in the morning, later in the evening, on the weekend, because I'm talking to people who are employed, looking for work. I'm talking to employed people looking to reduce their bills. And I'm talking to employed people who are looking to change jobs and want the career coaching and it's so it sounds like you're happy to be talking to people out of office hours I'm happy not to be managed by anyone anymore I don't <laughs> care I absolutely don't care what any else of it looks like as long okay. as I have to work for somebody it's a massive <laughs> it's a massive motivation to me is it yeah how many I mean you you're always 
going at a million miles an hour. In fact, um, I went to see you doing some boxing. So you've or you've it sounds like you've always got things on the go. So you go to the gym as well, like I do three to four high intensity training classes at the gym each week. So yeah. if I'm if I'm not at the gym at six thirty, then I'm probably subbing, substituting at another B and I meeting at six thirty in the morning. Yeah. Um, I've resumed ice speed skating after a thirty three oh year break as well. So. I actually used to speed skate for Great Britain up until the age of 18 when I had to start went into the army. So my sporting career ended. Um, but last year I just thought, I wonder if I can still skate. Um, so I do I speed skating training every Sunday night for an hour as well. So I've got I've got um thighs of steel. <laughs> in case you wanted to know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. So you've got, yeah, the amazing energy and you must be... No, I think it's just pig-headed determination. I'm 52 <laughs> and, you know, people go, what do you do? What, what did you do last night? I go, oh, it was just my ice speed skating training. <laughs> oh, I'm just doing a boxing fight for charity. It's, um, you, you become memorable in networking circles, I think. <laughs> I, I've not done it for those reasons, but it... It does sort of, I like being a bit different, I think, Lisa. <laughs> okay, so um, let's start to wind the conversation down. So if you had any advice for any anyone thinking of starting a business, um, would you have any tips for them? Uh, yeah, do it. Um, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> don't even think any longer. Use that thinking time to think how you get your business up and running and just do it. I actually, this ties in nicely with a career garage session I did with oh. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Well, a few months ago, actually, now. She was, well, the business she'd worked for for 20 plus years, a family business, had to close its doors. Um, and she approached me. She's not been in the job market for over 20 years, didn't know where to start with job searching. Um, and just said to me, it needed to be in retail. That had been her background all her life. And she really needed a job quickly. Could I help? Of course. My first question in that session was, do you need a job or do you need an income? She was like, I need a job. And I'm like, well, you're telling me that you're looking for a job in retail and your CV is telling me that you've been in retail. But what else your CV tells me is that you've taken on off your own back. You've decided to get qualified in payroll bookkeeping and some accountancy skills so you could help that business out with all of the financial side and I'm like why are you not setting up your own bookkeeping practice why are you not freelancing as a bookkeeper why have you approached me to help you find a job at minimum wage in retail why have you not identified your own assets hmm. She's now got her own bookkeeping company and I've introduced her to all the accountants, all the bookkeepers, all the insolvency practitioners, all the research and development managers that I know. And she's up and running. She's got a business. Um, and she's like, why on earth would I have wanted to go and work in a shop? Yeah. So People so don't see their own ability. Yeah. 
don't wait till something's perfect before you start it because that day will never come. There's no such thing as perfection. And all I remember is probably put a bit more strategy in place than I did because I literally walked out of my last job at half three on a Friday afternoon after seven <laughs> weeks. So I can't do this to myself any longer. Sitting in my car age 46 on a Friday afternoon going, what on earth have you just done? And this, the panic was more about having to do the interview processes all over again, as opposed to not having to go back into that job ever again. And four days later, Block IT recruitment was logged with company's house. And I just ran off like a maniac with eyes looking like a rabbit in headlights. Didn't have a clue. I'd never considered self-employment ever in my life before. I didn't even have a company name on the until I just thought about it for them four days. Um, and I'm really into blockchain technology on for the IT nerds in this, which is where the block IT recruitment name came from. But I literally just ran off blind. I'd, I had a stupid contract in place with the recruitment company that said if I left, I couldn't do recruitment for three months. So I was I was scared to do it on my own. Um, I just, I Googled networking in the Northwest and just found, I didn't know what it was. I turned up at groups with, I didn't know anyone there. I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know what I had to do. I didn't have business cards. I just had a plan on some A4 paper that I handed out. And, but I just stuck with it and, and I knew. The very first time I went to a business networking event, I was devastated. And I felt that a massive secret had been hidden from me for years. I'd been pushed down this nine to five path or in recruitment, more like seven to seven path. Mm. Um, and had no idea that there was so many people with a like-minded wanting to help people attitude out there that weren't going to scramble all over your ideas and, and claim them as your own. And we're going to actually be equal partners it blew my mind and and I just feel that we're all cheated at school and college and university that we don't know that this world is is there. So that sounds like a good place to bring the conversation to a close so get out there <laughs> and what I'm taking from that is if you're thinking of setting up your own business your own architectural practice join a franchise just do it yeah. <laughs> it's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. I, am, I regret it took me 46 years to work it out. <laughs> so, Rebecca, thank you very much for coming on our podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining me, Lisa Rains, for Architecture in the Den. If you want to find out about franchising, check out our website, prideradefranchise.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe and leave a review and do get in touch through your favourite platform if you'd like to be a guest.